Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Jusko. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Unreleased track. When I was just a little boy, I always wanted to go away to sea. And now I'm that much older, but I ain't much wiser. I should have gone, cause it keeps on calling me. I used to stand upon the shore Dream about the life I'd live someday When me and my grandfather Would be upon the water And canvas sails would fill and pull us far away Hello, everybody, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. Well, if you've never heard that song before, you would be in the masses. It is called Great Ships and Great Oceans. It is an unreleased song. We feel originally written by Billy Joel in 1972 for the Piano Man album, but of course, there is no evidence to support that. Sometimes... When we see one of these unreleased songs coming, we kind of get excited, and then sometimes we feel like, I wonder if the audience even cares. But the fact of the matter is, when you hear a Billy Joel song, as most of you know all of his work, you know, except for me doing the Billy Joel podcast, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is just nothing better than hearing actually an early song or something we've never heard before by our favorite artist and somebody who stopped writing 30 years ago. And the funny thing I say just instantly and in opening up about this song is here's another song that I wish he would have re-recorded, uh, even if he didn't want to do another album, taken some of these unreleased tracks, re-recorded them with his then pretty good voice in like 96, let's say, and just had these available to dish out in 2020, you know? Yeah. Or, or or even have somebody else record some of them. This is a lovely song. It's not a great song. And of course, this is my opinion. We haven't heard from Elon yet. I'm, I'm going to let him talk in a second, but I, I'm just saying. But wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very nice song. Again, it feels like a starter song for what's coming for the future. But I did enjoy it. It's not something I would put on my list of stuff to listen to. But I think there is a very, you know, as it starts out, the lyrics, when I was just a little boy, it goes, gives you a, a sense of Billy Joel being very young and, and writing this song. And it gives you a little something more to attach yourself to the artist that we seem to find amazing and want to know more about on the inside. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on your feelings of this song. I think it's good and interesting, but it definitely needed some more work. And I think unlike some of the other early demos that we listened to, where they kind of really worked as piano-only songs, this is one that I really feel could have used like big orchestration behind it. 
because it has epic themes, you know, sailing on the ocean and adventure. And then uh, it's just him on the piano. But imagine there was like strings behind him and 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 big instruments that could have really enhanced the feeling of this song. And I guess he just didn't have that apparatus back when this was done. Maybe if he had decided to include it on Piano Man, they would have done more with it. I also think it, it lyrically, it kind of fell short because it starts off maybe the first half of the song. You know, he brings up the great ships and this dream when he was a little kid of sailing with his grandfather. And you think it's going to become a big adventure of a song. And then the second half is not as concrete. The lyrics in the verses are not really about sailing or adventure. They're just about, I don't know stuff in his head and also in the chorus that line where he says great ships and great emotions i don't know great emotions that just felt weird to me yep all in agreement here i don't like that great ships and great emotions it apparently is a young artist saying what can i rhyme with oceans and he's just looking at the book and (laughs) but yeah it's a it's a again a starter song uh, what you're saying about the instrument, you're totally right. And you know I have been enjoying the unreleased piano-only songs, but this needed it. And I guess if we look into the future, that is what Down East, the Downeaster Alexa Thank you. became, is his ship song with the instruments and everything you're asking for. Right, because it's such a hallmark of his style that if he had a song about being on the ocean, he would somehow have instruments that sort of sound like you're on an ocean or in a storm or whatever and uh this he, he kind of tries to do it with the piano you could see he's doing as much as he can with the one instrument that he's playing but it just needed more i do think it would have been interesting though if he decided to include this on piano man well you could say that about any of the unreleased tracks obviously it certainly would have been interesting and it would have been a fun ending song i think for piano man uh, you could follow captain jack completely i think he you know what like you're saying you know with the accordion then it you know becomes a a she a sea shanty song you know like oh uh, yeah accordion would have been fun yeah right, right. but what you're so you're saying I, I just can't even believe you're saying this you're saying what Artie rip had no vision to make this more instrumental and stuff what's the matter with you why are you picking on <laughs> Artie rip and Artie rip jr you know, the more I read about this guy, the more I don't think he was the great producer that Billy Joel always says he is. <laughs> Billy always ranks his producers, and he says, Artie Rip number one, <laughs> Phil Ramone way down at the bottom. Yeah. That guy was a hack. There's, uh, Artie had vision. Artie Rip number one, uh, Danny Kochner two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phil Ramone, definitely three. Definitely three. But I think this song fits well with the Piano Man album because this is a song about traveling on the ocean and Piano Man had so many songs about traveling. It was kind of like the theme of the album. You had Travel in Prayer and You're My Home and Worst Comes to Worst and Stop in Nevada. Even the Ballet of Billy the Kid is about different, you know, moving to location to location. So, uh, yeah, I think this song kind of could have been a cool ending, like you said, like a final song of now this guy's traveling on the ocean for the real adventure. It would have fit. First of all, I mean... It's funny when I keep thinking about, let's just take, for example, Bon Jovi. Um, I'll never forget when Bon Jovi wanted to go solo. John Bon Jovi wanted to go solo, which he did. And he told everybody, I just want to write an album of cowboy songs. And everybody thought he was insane. And then, of course, he wrote that song for, what was it, Young Guns 2? And it became a huge smash. You know, and I guess after Wanted Dead or Alive, he's like, let's write more cowboy songs. So why Billy Joel didn't do an entire album of sea songs? Uh, Because look at this guy again. 
if you're going to tell everybody I'm going to do an album of 50 songs and I would laugh in his face and say, Billy, it's 1983. No one wants to hear any 50s music. You just have to believe this guy's going to find a way to make sea shanty songs popular for the masses. Why again? All his albums, this his he has a romance with the sea, and it yes. is clear in from day one to the final song. And it's just kind of odd that you mention it now. Why he just didn't do an entire album of sea songs? They're interspersed over the twelve albums and plus. But it's you would think maybe it's kind of like and like Sting. Writing a stupid Broadway musical about shipbuilding. You know, no one wants, you know, like, shut up. But Billy could have pulled it off, and he probably would have made him very happy. I would have loved to, to hear that. I think it's cool when artists go to, like, some real, like, old styles, which Billy obviously did to the 50s, but sea shanties. Now we're really talking old, like pirate songs. That would have been cool. Yeah, because Billy Joel could have actually, we would not have laughed at, well, we would have laughed in his face, and then he would have taught us a lesson in goddamn respect, because for some reason or another, this guy can take any, he can take a song, one of those 12th century chants that everybody likes, uh, you know, that the Israelis the Gregorian chants. Do, right? <laughs> yeah. The Gregorian chants, and probably have turned it into one of the greatest pop hits of all time. I think in Billy, we trust, and if he wanted to do uh, songs about the ocean, we would have bought into it. I mean, we would have made fun of him until we heard the album and like, damn it, he got us again. Damn it, eight times platinum. This <laughs> son of a bitch. I mean, think. His, do you know what his uh, his company is called? No, what is it? Maritime Music Inc. Ah, yeah, he lo- he loves the ocean. <laughs> he, he cannot help himself. Yeah, he's a big he's big into boats. Uh, he actually had this good interview in um, some boating magazine where he was talking about how, as a kid, his mom would take him down to Oyster Bay or Bayville, and he would just take someone else's boat and untie it and take it out, and then like row it around and bring it back. He didn't realize that it wasn't like a anyone can take a boat kind of thing. Sure, he was just he stealing basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, he is quoted as saying, "Everywhere I've ever lived, that I've written music, I've had a view of salt water." It has to be salt water. That's the real water. There are times when I'm writing and I'm at a loss. I can always sit and stare at this vast expanse and endless horizon and pull thoughts out of my subconscious because of being able to look at the water. It has some kind of primeval impact on me. Wow, that's pretty deep. Yeah. I guess it makes sense. He's always lived on the shore as far as we know. Maybe in L.A. he wasn't. Like, he was probably kind of inland when he was out there. Well... But he could have gotten to the beach quickly. You have to go to L.A. to make your bones, which he did. And then he instantly came back as soon as he had the contract. That's right. And then we got we got lucky and we heard a couple of a, you know, L.A. songs like My Life and stuff. And that's exactly what a really great, amazing musician is supposed to do. You write where you are. You write about your, your situation. And we get to hear about it. And we get to hear about all his, his loves, losses, and places he's been. This song reminds me of another song. Do you hear in the chorus? It sounds to me a lot like Nights in White Satin by the Moody Blues. I did not notice that at all. But if you think about it now, do you see a similarity there? Maybe. Even in the first part where it goes, uh, like, that's why I like the first line. When I was just a little boy. Like, I didn't expect it to go up. You know, a lot of people would have just started when I was just a little boy. But uh, I like that it goes up to that level. And maybe in that sense, I could uh, see... 
that, but otherwise I didn't notice it. I guess it's like when he says, you know, great ships and great oceans. It kind of reminds me of like knights in white satin. For me, it reminds me of that song. I want to say it's Toad the Wet Sprocket. Is that the one? Like a ship on the ocean, bum, bum, yeah. like a heart on the sea. Because you could see Billy writing that song. I that's think it even point. has an accordion in it. Have we talked about that before? That's, I feel like that's come up. That song? Yeah. Never. Oh, okay. It's funny. It's funny. I can remember the name of the stupid band, but I can't think of the name of the song. Yeah, I have it on some playlists somewhere. It's very Downeaster Alexish. The Downeaster Alexish. Okay, so Toad the Wet Sprocket definitely was influenced by Mr. Billy Joel. We know that. Clearly. But I think this Knights of White Satin thing, just, again, a little conspiracy of it. Uh, so this song was released in 1967, but it barely charted. But then it was re-released in 1972 and went to number two. And 1972 is when Billy made this demo. So there might have been a little bit of it that leaked into his brain. It's funny. The Moody Blues are such an interesting band, too, because Knights of White Satin isn't anything of how they they might have started being known for that, but they definitely got more funkier, uh, you know, for the later stuff like Gemini Dream and stuff like that. It's so different than Knights of White Satin. It's like like, uh, Jefferson Airplane and the uh, White Rabbit song. And And then becoming Starship. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. (laughs) uh, But I'll tell you that when I saw the Moody Blues at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and, and I saw the Cars. It was the same year, right? And, you know, I liked the Cars. I was very excited to see the Cars. Cars were the worst band I've ever seen. Rick Ocasek was so old, so old that he died, like, you know, a month later, I guess. I didn't realize they were so goddamn old. They sounded mm-hmm. awful because they're awful in concert, which is why our movie, Turbocharged, The Unauthorized Story of the Cars, is funny because we pointed out how awful they are in concert, even though we all love their music. They were just so bad. And then uh, Moody Blues came in. I, yeah, the Moody Blues. And then they must be 10 years older than the cars. And they were playing it like as if they were 30 years old and unbelievable. I don't understand what happened. Or maybe I guess that's what the whole is. It's like you're either a performer forever or a songwriter. And there's uh, no in between. So they still had it. Even the flute guy? Yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was just a really great performance when you're sitting there waiting for a specific band and they don't deliver. Then you, I was never expecting the Moody Blues to be great. Like I said, I think there's a 10 year difference. I was very impressed. Cool. Yeah. I don't know a lot of their stuff. I know that song and probably one or two others. Uh, getting back to the song for a second. Do you think that it reminds you of Pippin at all? I know I don't know Pippin very well, but this to me when I was hearing it, I was like, maybe this is Pippin-esque as well, because it reminded me of that Corner of the Sky song. Not this no? one. The, the other one we had done where we compared, I don't remember which one it was. Oh, maybe it was Falling of the Rain? That might have been the one. Yeah, one of the ones, totally, there was a Corner of the Sky, definite Pippin reference. But this one didn't at all. It just kind of reminded me of a high school kid again uh, playing the piano. And one of the songs, you have to get out of the way to make room for the greats. 
<laughs> yeah, you got to get this stuff out of your head, and then you're like, all right, good. I put that down. Now I can actually write something that most people would like. Yeah. Well, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Dave, do you have a stumper for me? Well, you know, we were, I think we were both debating whether we should even do trivia for this, but why not? Trivia is good. Just know it's not worthy of a song parody. Nobody knows the song. Wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't you be the man? If you're like, I have a great parody for great ships and great oceans, and it's called Great Emotion. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd kick you in the face. Uh, okay, well, here's mine. And again, I just word it so horribly, but you hopefully will, we will all be able to get through it. Which one of, well, there's two, but which one of Billy Joel's album names, which also have songs of the same name, on the album are, as he says, kind of a metaphorical song about water, and the other one is just about water. They would be the album names. One is a metaphorical song about water, and the other one is just about okay, water. Okay, so one of them is um, River of Dreams. Yes. That would be, let's see, would that be the metaphorical one? Oh, no, no. Okay, That's so Col- Cold Spring Harbor. No, but there's not a song named nope. that. Exactly. That's a that's a town. Yeah. Oh, Stormfront. Exactly. Well done, ding, <laughs> ding, ding. You did good. Yeah. I mean, how about this guy? Stormfront, River of Dreams. He can't help himself. That's funny because I had that. <laughs> I had a trivia question for you a few episodes ago where I was like, "There's certain other songs with water in the name." And, I, and yeah, running on ice. And I, I, I forgot remember, Stormfront right? would have counted, I guess. Right. I for, I forget that Stormfront is a song as well. Because it sounds like just such an album name. And then I, I actually really like that song. Of course, we'll talk about that. Several months from now. It seems like several years yeah. from now. <laughs> if we keep doing these unreleased demos, we'll never get to it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, then we just start making up unreleased demos. Like, I'll play on the piano and pretend it's a Billy Joel song so we can just keep the podcast going. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, uh, I really like that other one. I'm like, yeah, you know, I should record it myself. It's like one of those documentaries where someone um, is like an art imposter. So they're like, oh, I found a brand new Van Gogh. And then <laughs> they sell it for $10 million. And then they find out it was just a forgery. You know, it's kind of funny. Now that I think about it, I should just write my own song. Say it's Billy Joel's. Try and put it out. See if he finds out about it. And be like, I swear to God, I never wrote that song. Oh, come on, Billy. You're being modest. <laughs> That'd be funny. Like, try and actually taking like if it hit if it like went somewhere but you're giving somebody else complete credit wouldn't that be so weird yes so yeah this you write a song for billy joel it becomes super popular and billy's just like uh yeah that was mine (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't that be great oh yeah i forgot about that one and then i'd be like wait a minute that wasn't the plan (laughs) wouldn't it be funny and then he wouldn't let me play it somewhere like yeah you have a copyright infringement jerk off. yeah yeah you're never what? allowed to play your song and he registers it and gets all these nice royalties that would be awesome i don't know why because it, it does fit into my life's wheelhouse but <laughs> anyway a trivia question from you elon yes yeah, so this song is about being on the ocean as we said billy joel loves boating and the ocean so my question is uh what has billy joel had more of boats or albums well, are we call- talking about the original 12 studio albums or more, or are you counting in the live ones as well? Let's go like, with the original 12. About a 16 the original count. 12 studio albums as our over under, basically. I'm going to say over. That's correct. Yeah, I was going to say this guy is obsessed with boats and ships, and it would make a lot of sense for him to own at 
more than 12 albums uh, during his lifespan. You want, yeah. you want to take a guess on how many boats he's owned? Uh, uh, boats, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, let, I mean, my guess is that at one time he at least has three boats. So if we put that into a 70-span uh, <laughs> lifetime, 30, 33 boats. You're not too far off. He's had 21 boats. Wow. Yeah. He's probably, he probably at some points has three boats at a time. Yeah, actually probably more at a time. I think uh, they even have in this article where they have a list, they say how many he currently still owns, and it's one, two, three, four, five. Wow. That's hard to own boats, you know, because they're in different places. But I guess when you have that money, you have people taking care of them. So he probably owns like a yacht-like boat, you know, like not a cruise yacht, but uh, like a yacht. And then he probably owns like a speedboat. And then probably an old-fashioned fishing boat that he like fixed up himself. Yeah, and then probably like a rowboat. You're you're like you're actually you know. really close. Like you you figured out his kind of boats because most of the things he likes are like these kind of lobster boats. But he's had some designed where they can go really fast, so they look like a lobster boat, but they can go like fifty miles per hour. Um, he he has worked on designing boats over the years. He had one that was a really popular one called the the Shelter Island Runabout, and. The company that he designed it for ended up selling like 50 more of these boats for other people for like a half million a pop. And Billy would get royalties off of that. He would get a commission because he designed the boat. Wow. But uh, yeah, he's had really, really big yachts, like 90 something footers. And he he never liked it. He said it was like throwing money away because you have to have a crew. Right, but you have to have one. You have to. You, you, you live in the Hamptons. So you go to Martha's Vineyard. You got to have that boat. You're a fucking rock star. You must have one of those boats once in your lifetime. Even if you hate Yeah, it. so he's had a couple of those big ones, and he, those he's always gotten rid of because he's just... You're married to Christy Brinkley. You don't get a boat like that. You're making a fool out of yourself. Right. <laughs> but most of his boats are in like the 35 to 50-foot range, it seems. Like more manageable, sure. one-person kind of things. Um, he's had two boats that he's named after his daughters. One, of course, is the Alexa, which came before the song, the Downeaster Alexa. And then the other one, he has a boat named after Della Rose. Of course he does. She is a cutie pie and a half. He has to name a boat after her. And he's only had one sailboat. Why isn't that boat called Don't Ask Me Why? Because <laughs> that's her favorite song. Hello? <laughs> it should be called the anyway, Don't Ask Me Why. I was going to say he's only owned one. You know, this song is about sailing. He's only owned one sailboat, uh, which he said that Alexa Ray took it out once and then like messed up the, She <laughs> I don't know, she got tangled in the lines she's or something. A, she's an idiot. Um, comes from upbringing. Parents are idiots too. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, it makes sense he wouldn't have a sailboat. I can't picture him with a sailboat. I don't think any listener of Billy Joel could picture him in a sailboat in any way. It's just not his style. That's not her um, style. Exactly. <laughs> are we going to play the you. horns now? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, anybody that is a Billy Joel fan would assume he just, we know he loves boating. And that's why this song, Great Ships and Great Oceans, is a perfect complement to a career of our good friend, <laughs> Billy Joel. Mr. Billy Joel. Mr. Billy Joel to Put you. Put some respect on it. The Reverend Dr. Billy Joel. Well, folks, that was Great Ships and Great Oceans. This was the last song in the G's, so up next is our interview with guest, the great comedian Gary Goleman. With those initials, we had to put him in the G's. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. 
do you agree that Billy should have re-recorded this song? Do you think Billy's other daughter is upset that she didn't get a boat named after her? And do you hear any similarity to Nights in White Satin? Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z.